Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson broadcasting again today from the First Bank Studios at Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us on a kind of drizzly Tuesday afternoon. Lots to talk about today. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. He'll be on the show a little later in the program. Kelly Santer will be joining us in the last half of the show as well. Just a moment from now, we're going to talk to the athletics director at Jones College, Joel Kane. So we've got plenty to talk about. Also going to let you know about uh, the really surprising number of NFL players that are beginning to opt out of the season and hit hardest or is Luke's favorite team, the New England Patriots. Five players so far uh, off of the Patriots uh, saying they're just not going to play this year. Uh, because of COVID-19. All right, opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of this show, and of course, Southern Miss Athletics. We enjoy their food all the time. They cook it seven days a week, in-house, drive through or home delivery. It doesn't matter. You choose how you want to eat it. Just enjoy it because it's always delicious. Our thanks to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring the Eagle Hour. Uh, we'll get to that story a little later, Luke. I don't want you to get too upset, but five Patriots so far uh, have announced they're not going to play this year, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a stretch for your for your team, I think. Well, Kelly will let us know a little later in the program, but you know the Galactic Emperor—he's always uh, working behind the strings, pulling uh, different <laughs> puppets and puppet strings. So Belichick's up to something. You just have yeah, to wait and see what it something is. Something tells me Belichick will be okay. Joel Kane is the athletics director at Jones College. Uh, we do a lot of stuff at Super Talk with Jones College, and always uh, happy to have a representative of their athletic program. Also, why not the head guy, uh, Mr. Kane? We're glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. Well, Bob, Luke, um, I, you know, I'd first like to just say thank you for the opportunity to, to come on and be with you guys for a few minutes, and, and thank you for, for what you do for our area, uh, for our listeners out there, and, and just really appreciate you guys. Oh, well, the feeling's mutual, I can assure you. Okay, uh, October the 1st now, the target date uh, for junior college football, I, I guess the $64,000 question. Is that a firm date, or is that a date subject to change pending on uh, COVID-19? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is that a date presuming that things are better by October the 1st, or would that be a start date today if all things were the same? Bob, we we are constantly, um, and when I say constantly, I mean uh, from, from our institution daily, um, from the state, you know, our Commissioner Martin, um, he, he is working very closely uh, with our State Department of Health and Dr. Dobbs. And the October the 1st date, you know, that's the date that um, was studied and, and researched over. And it all goes back to, like you guys have heard a hundred times, it's, it's all about the health and safety of our student-athletes. Um, you know, that, that date um, is, is flexible. Um, you know, that's the start date. 
Um, if things, you know, do not spike, uh, we do plan to, to protect our kids the best we can and try to have a start date of October the 1st. Um, but that date is not set in stone. And if the numbers, you know, if we, if we hit a hot spot or those numbers continue to rise, um, we are at a place where we're willing to make a call and back the season up to spring. Um, you know, starting October the 1st, um, you know, what that will allow us to do is to have a six-game, you know, conference schedule. Mm-hmm. And that will also allow us to have a most likely, and it's not approved yet, but most likely we'll have a one-game championship at the end. So that'll be a, a North Division versus South Division post-state championship. Um, so, so that's where we are right now. And if we start that on October the 1st, that will still give us the opportunity to be finished you know, the week prior to Thanksgiving. And, right. you know, with Jones College making adjustments to our academic calendar and starting um, on August the 10th, we will actually be finishing the semester the week prior to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So it will allow us to, to end at the same time. And that would be reducing the season, the normal season, by a third. Am I correct about that? That is that is correct. Right. Um, okay. Luke? Doc Kane, thanks for coming uh, on today. Uh, I know that early on in this process, uh, you were a guy that was advocating, you know, a shorter season, a conference-only season. Uh, it does help Jones out in some ways because our first two games this year, we were going to uh, to Northwest one week and and Northeast <laughs> the second week. And man, it takes a lot to uh, to take the Maroon Typhoon and and the football team and all that. Uh, based off a six-game schedule, um, you know the athletic department and uh, and the college feel like uh, if even with a six-game schedule, you can accomplish what needs to be accomplished financially for uh, for the fall. Yes, um, and and look, we you know we I Dr. Smith, you know we we kind of took finances out of this a little bit. Um, you know what what we want to focus on is. Our student athletes, uh, we wanted to focus on developing those student athletes um, academically, socially, and athletically. Um, and, you know, since Coach Buckley's been here, uh, don't quote me on this, and he may get mad at me, but I think out of 105 <laughs> sophomores that he's had, 103 have graduated early in at December and had the opportunity to go to the Division One or, or University of their choice. Um, so that was that was one of the key selling points for me. Um, and I was an advocate of the six game schedule early. Um, you know, my vision with that is if we were to start in August, um, is to have the six game schedule and have a two week break in between. And what that would allow us to do is to really monitor the health and well being of our student athletes. Um, you know, as long as the resources permitted, um, you know, we could maintain testing, um, you know, with control groups you know, during that time. And in the case that a student athlete tested positive, you could possibly have a 14-day window in there for that student athlete to quarantine, um, you know, and obviously not return to play the following week. But it just allowed us a lot of time, you know, to to still have a season, to still give the kids the opportunity to play, um, to still give our, you know, our band and our fine arts the opportunity to be a part um as normal as possible in the most abnormal situation that we could all imagine at this point in time in our lives. Um, so, so that was my thinking um, in the six-game schedule. 
So with that six-game schedule, like you said, there's a possibility because you would finish uh, about two or three weeks before Thanksgiving, a possibility of a state championship. But how important was it for you guys to play this fall? I think everybody knew for Mississippi to the point you just made about how many uh, the, the job that Coach Buckley and his staff have done getting kids uh, through so that they can they can move on. How important was it that really all all of the uh, the junior colleges, community colleges in Mississippi came with a united voice and, and appealed to the uh, JCAA and just said, we want to play football, here's our plan. It just seemed like there was a united front uh, in that appeal process. Well, there, and, there, and there was, you know, um, there was a lot of support for it. Um, and, and and let me tell you this, Luke, the, the NJCAA, um, they are supporting us in this. Um, they they are very willing to work with us. Uh, they are still allowing us to to bounce ideas off of them. They are giving us recommendations on on how to manage the season. Um, one thing that they did was for the fall, um, even if we had chosen to completely back it up to the spring, um, we could have had three scrimmage dates. They allowed us sixty practice dates with three scrimmage dates. Um, so. You know, the NJCAA, you know, being the great governing body that they are, um, they they have come back to us, um, you know, with us declaring to attempt to start on October the 1st. Um, and, and say we play game one and game two, and, you know, worst-case scenario, you know, we, we have to shut down. Um, or, you know, if something happens and, and we have to delay for a while, uh, they will still let us go back and compete in the spring semester. Um, so, so they will give us the first three games of the season, and then in the event that we can't compete, then they're still going to allow um, our conference to go back in and compete in the spring. Um, the challenges that, that that, you know, causes us is right now we have around 20 of our student athletes that are obviously sophomores that they're on track to graduate in December. Um, Three have already left. Um, they were they were qualifiers, and you know we we try to develop these student athletes, and we want to get them here, and we want to get them to where they want to be. And you know KJ Cloyd, um, he got the offer that he wanted. He's going to Louisville. Rakeem Ashford's going to NC State. Johnny McGee's going to Coastal Carolina. Um, you know just just with the uncertainty of, of what may be here. Um, they, they have actually, you know, left us this summer and they've gone to the university that, that they felt like was a great offer for those guys. Um, um, and, you know, our role in this is to afford these kids, you know, the, I guess the reward at the end uh, and get them, yeah. you know, get them where they want to go. Um, so all of our kids are planning to graduate and, um, you know, and they'll be leaving. So we will be very, you know, short-staffed if it uh, gets to the spring semester. All right, Mr. Kane, we're out of time, unfortunately. Thanks so much for your time. I'm sure there's lots more for us to talk about in the future. We'll look forward to having you back. Thank you for the opportunity. Joel Kane, everybody. Jones College Eagle Hour continues right after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. I want to thank Joel Kane from Jones College for joining us in the first segment of the show. Kind of breaking news there that the uh, JCs would be able to continue their football season into the spring, even if they started in October and got washed out. Uh, 
due to the virus after a game or two. So uh, that was interesting to interesting to hear. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel. You'll find it in their store on Hardy Street, or you can go online to CampusBookmart.net. Also want to thank DBAT and D1 Training Facility for their sponsorship of our show. It's a state-of-the-art facility for baseball training. That's at DBAT. Baseball and softball training. Uh, kids of all ages uh, eligible there. And then D1, of course, is a generalized sports training for all sports. And that includes adult athletes as well. So DBAT, D1, state-of-the-art Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, and we're proud to have him on the show. Heath Hinton is the uh, owner and operator of Big Gold Nation. And uh, first of all, I hear you're caught in a traffic jam on the interstate between Laurel and Hattiesburg, right, Heath? Yeah, man. If you're going down uh, 59, going south towards Hattiesburg and uh, Little Pass Moselle, probably maybe all the way back to Ellisville now, they've had a bad record or something. I've been sitting in the same spot for about... Oh, 50 minutes now. Well, there you go. Well, I hope you get to moving soon. All right, Heath. Uh, you know, last time we talked, uh, news breaking that uh, the SWAC uh, had, had canceled their football this fall. That put a big hole in USM's football schedule as they were scheduled to host Jackson State. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there any word about a replacement? Uh, have you heard anything about uh, how the school has reacted to that and, and maybe what their plans are? I've heard uh, some rumors uh, about who they're looking to play. You know, you replace Jackson State with a school kind of like Jackson State, a FCS school that uh, is a win. Plus, right now, you don't want to sign a home-and-home with a Power Five because if they're coming to Southern Miss, if you can get them to come here first, well, if they're going to have social distancing this year, what's the point of bringing them in? Um, You can't make no money off of it. So I think you're going to see something like a a Tennessee – Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Martin, something like that's going to come in here, and uh, that's going to be the game, the team that you're going to choose to uh, replace Jackson State with. We had heard Appalachian State. We unanimously agreed on the show, not a good idea. Let's not play Appalachian State. That's such a long, long flight. Right and there you go. That's with the reason. COVID going on right now, <laughs> that, you just don't want to do that. That's the reason. That's the exact. Don't want to put. Right, don't want to put people in that kind of situation. Right. Hey, we'll man, just leave well, people. You, look at you can it. interpret people as you want to. That's right. You've got to look at it from you know from all sides. <laughs> there you go, boy. That's <laughs> diplomatic, Heath. All right, get in here, Luke. <laughs> We talked to uh, Joel Kane uh, from Jones College last segment, Heath, and uh, Junior Colleges of Mississippi United Front in, J- in the NJCAA takes their appeal. Uh, how does that help Southern Miss for the JUCOs to be able to play? Well, number one is recruiting. You look at recruiting, uh, these guys, kids are going to go ahead and play the fall. You start recruiting them now. You get to watch them play. If they go all the way to spring, think of this, if they're playing spring football, they could be playing football 10 months out of the year going to when they would start, let's say, if they were recruited by Southern Miss. That's a lot of football for a young man to play that's 19, 18, 19 years old. I, I, I think it's uh, pivotal for Southern Miss in recruiting and also the state of Mississippi, the other schools from recruiting JUCOs. I'm interested to see how this JUCO moving to spring and other high schools consider moving to spring. How is that going to affect the kids in recruiting? And have they thought about that type of situation with the uh, kids? Because I don't know if they really considered all the options. They're talking about moving to spring and how much that's going to put 
a burden on not only the kids but their families, uh, other schools. It's I just don't know how good of an idea moving football to spring is. Yeah, you look at uh, from a JUCO perspective. You know, there's a bunch of kids that that wouldn't play because uh, Joel gave yeah. us a, a pretty amazing stat. They've had like 105 sophomores that have uh, graduated or have moved on under Steve Buckley. Like 103 of those graduated early. So Jones is doing that right, you know, getting them out, and that's what D1 programs want when they're, you know, when they have a feeder school like Jones, a program that has has great people like that. So you wouldn't have any JUCO people play in the spring in Mississippi, but like on a high school level, you got a kid he signed a D1 scholarship. He's not going to play January or February, March, and April, or or March, April, May high school football when he's got a report, you know, in in early June for his D1 scholarship. Not only that, but when you're talking recruiting, if these kids aren't going to play, that means that, uh, you know, coaches haven't seen these kids play for over a year and a half. They don't know what kind of athletes these kids are now. That's a lot of time. Um, It's going to hurt recruiting. It's going to hurt. It's just going to hurt football, period. It's like a a domino effect. And once things start getting backed up, everything starts getting backed up farther, backed up farther. You look at, you know, Southern Miss, say if people wanted to move that back to spring, how does that affect the kids leaving uh, college football going to the NFL? As I've said before, playing football that much, in a year's time, but football is not meant to be played for a whole year. It's not meant to be played nine, ten months out of the year. It's meant to be played five or six months, and that's it because it's such a violent sport. But trying to uh, move this back to spring to have kids playing that much, there's going to be a lot of injuries. I just think it's a bad idea. All right, Heath, I want to talk to you about Big Old Nation for a minute. Um, obviously, a website uh, dedicated to Southern Miss Athletics, and we're going to give you a chance to tell people how they can join that before we let you go. But I was curious last night, I, I, when I saw that you were on the show today, I know for the past four months uh, the guys on this show have had to find things to talk about every day because there just hasn't, uh, obviously hasn't been any sports. What the, what is the conversation that that you're seeing in general on uh, Big Old Nation uh, in this lull of activity right now? Uh, people are wondering what's going to happen with their college sports. People are wanting to get back to college sports. Um, that's the one thing great about sports in general, and that's the one thing great about baseball going right now to me. That gives me time to get away from society and the norms of everyday life and escape, and that's what sports do. And people are just, you can tell even on the boards, uh, people are getting frustrated. They just want to be able to cheer their team on. They want to have that escape. And when everyday life starts, when you start mixing politics and sports, and you don't want to do that. You want to keep them separate. But what I'm seeing now is people are kind of wanting to mix both of them because everything's coming so entwined, social media, different things like that. Right. So I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of people trying to you know, keep things separate, keep sports and, and uh, politics and everyday life, try to keep it separate, but it's getting harder the long, longer this is going on. Right. All right. If, and this may be a difficult question to answer, but if everything were at the start of football season the way it is today with COVID-19, the way it is today, what percentage of the Southern Miss fans that you see on your website 
would be willing to go sit in a stadium and watch a football game with COVID-19 the way it is presently? 85 to 90, easy. So 90, easy. 90% of the people that you see would be willing to take whatever risk were involved uh, to watch a college football game. I, I can say right now that on Big Old Nation that 90% of, and maybe even higher, I may be lowballing it there, 90% of the people on that website would want to go what if they have to sign a release if they have to have their temperature taken if they have to wear a mask they don't care they just want to get out there and watch their beloved southern miss golden eagles play sports right and, and, do, and do you have any way of knowing what age group that largely is uh every age sir i'm, I'm talking that we my site range in range ages from 18 to you know 80 Mm-hmm. And everybody, I mean, this is not just uh, one age group. It's not, you know, the 18 to 39 or whatever. Everybody in general just wants to go watch it. They're willing to, you know, and, and, and some people don't think it's a, ch- a big chance they're taking. It, it's an opinion for people. But I can tell you, people are wanting to get out there and watch their college football. People are getting, wanting to get out there and watch sports. And they want to. They, they You better believe it. If they had to sign, do something, Ninety percent of the people on my board would be in favor of it in a heartbeat. All right, interesting. All right, tell us. We got forty-five seconds left. How can people become a part of Big Gold Nation? All right, now you just got Big Gold Nation uh, on top right of the page. Actually, southernmiss.rivals.com or Google Big Gold Nation. Go to the top right, sign up, and you can sign up for a year. Uh, you can sign up month to month. Uh, they got some really good deals right now. So. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and look, it, it's a lot of fun. It's eight ninety nine a month. You'll get all some inside information. You'll find out what Southern Miss may be doing about the quarterback situation this fall. You may find out before everybody else knows. Mm-hmm. You may find out about who Southern Miss is going to play uh, for Jackson State. There's also some uh, pretty good information on there that you'll get a long time before a lot of other people get it. So, uh it's a, it's a fun place to be and a fun place to talk to Southern Miss fans. Uh, Luke, I know Luke's been on there. There's, it's a lot of fun in there, Luke. Yeah, where do you think I get all my information from? Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just rat, I just ratted us all out. All right. Big, Go- Big Gold Nation, everybody. If you want to stay in the know, uh, Heath can show you how. Big Gold. Hey, man, I hope you get to moving pretty soon and uh, hope your journey turns out better than it started, Heath. I appreciate it, guys. God bless y'all. Have a good day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Heath Hinton, everybody, from Big Gold Nation on the Eagle Hour. Always glad to have his input. Uh, Kelly Sanders next. We're glad to have his as well. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. We're back on a rainy Tuesday. Good to hear from Heath Hinton, owner and operator of Big Gold Nation. Go to southernmiss.rivals.com and subscribe today to Big Gold Nation. And uh, it's good to hear from Heath and uh, getting that prosthesis going on his leg. And so uh, just continue to uh, great news on his recovery. And thank you, everyone, who has supported him. Keep supporting him. He is uh, vital and a great Southern Miss Golden Eagle. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill located just across Highway 49 from uh, Southern Miss. 
Owner Slade White and his great staff over there cooking up the uh, famous 895 lunch every single day. Lots of Southern Miss memorabilia, all kinds of stuff over there. Go to see our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander joins us on the phone now. And yesterday um, we were, were texting about the uh, announcement from the Jackson Public School District uh, that football and all four, fall sports had been canceled. JPS reeling that back in. Claren Ledger, Claren Ledger uh, reporting uh, late last night this morning that the JPS coaching staff were recently contacted by a district official and misinformed that a decision had been made to cancel the fall football season. There has been no official decision or announcement yet regarding athletics and extracurricular activities for the fall semester in Jackson Public Schools. So, Kelly, uh, one of those things where JPS uh, cancels it and they say, no, we're not canceling it, just continues to add to the fog about uh, high school sports this fall. Yeah, it's a microcosm of, of the college scene, too, because I don't think any of the Power Fives, and, and obviously from the, the uh, rampant communication coming out of the Conference USA office, uh, as, as to how Conference USA is going to play this season, uh, it's, you know, the high schools are just a, just a microcosm of the college game that nobody really knows. But if Jackson Public Schools were to, were to cancel their sports this fall, then imagine the mad rush for athletic directors in the 5 and 6A classifications in which those schools participate, you know, they would have to then be running around figuring out, okay, what are we going to do to fill that, to fill that uh, opening if indeed they're going to be playing some non-district games, which, you know, they're talking about now just, uh, just playing the district games at the, at the different classifications. So it could, uh, it could really throw, you know, Really throw everybody well, it for does, a loop here. It does locally. For for me in Jones County, South Jones, Laurel, and West Jones are all in the same district, as well as three JPS schools, Wingfield, Forest Hill, and Jim Hill. So three schools in Jones County, if that announcement stands or if it's if it uh, you know holds what was initially reported yesterday, each school in Jones County, uh, other than Northeast Jones, loses three district games just like that, you know? And yeah, so, so even if, it, so even it's if you, very important. Even, yeah, so even if you decided to play a district schedule, you know, there's you just made, made great examples of the Jones County schools. Well, that, that leaves you, what, a four-game season? You know, three-game seasons, you know, something like that. So uh, there's still a lot to a lot to unpack here in, in a relatively short period of time here as we get into the 1st of August this weekend. Um so you know, I did. I also want to just salute Four Street Bar and Grill, our, our sponsor in this segment. Yesterday, you guys, it was Monday, which is generally not you know not the busiest of days for restaurants. But Slade and the crew over there purposely shut down yesterday. They've been following CDC guidelines all along, but they shut down the restaurant and bar yesterday and had everything sanitized again and cleaned out. You know, for the safety of, of the patrons and everybody there. So that I mean, that just tells you type of guys you're dealing with when you know taking money out of their own pocket shutting things down obviously not making any money but spending the money to have the whole place sanitized and and clean so um and i I sure do miss those remotes there kelly and those big old shrimp poor boys you and i would gobble down before the show every every friday that we were there yeah yeah well those those will be available bob well they're available starting today but i mean i say that doing that yesterday when they were already following uh, you know CDC guidelines. Meanwhile, lots of other things uh, shaking on the, on the pro level. Uh, some major league teams now are opting to not play the Miami Marlins if they're scheduled anywhere in the near future. 
Major League Baseball is, is expected to make a formal ruling as to whether teams can opt out, so to speak. But the Players Association says if the league forces teams to play the Miami Marlins, then more and more players could invoke their individual opt-outs if they felt strongly <laughs> enough about going to Miami. Of course, three more Marlins have tested positive today. So that's 17 mm. between the starters, the coaches, and the um, the relief group, you know, the, the roster guys that uh, would come up in case of, of COVID. So, uh, and then if the, if the Marlins get, get sidelined for much longer, you know, then what happens to that division? What happens right. to the overall schedule when you're supposed to supposed to play? Yeah, them but were the Marlins ever a threat to that division? I feel like nobody even played the Marlins last year anyway because they only won 57 games. But so, you got, I mean, but you know, <laughs> but they're scheduled to play teams in in the American League, you know, uh, which which will have an implication on you know playoff spots there. Uh, but you'd have huge holes in the uh, you know in the schedule for the different teams, but. Um, but that's what's going on with the Marlins. And meanwhile, now Patrick Chung, an all-pro defensive back for the New England Patriots, says he is going to opt out of the NFL season. That now makes six Patriots right. that have, uh, have said no thanks, and they'll wait until uh, next year. Uh, you hear very little action from any of the other teams in, in the league as far as players opting out. And Joe Burrow, bless his heart, officially agreed this morning to a $36.1 million contract. Oh, poor guy. With the Cincinnati Bengals, and of course, because it's the Bengals, the uh, contract is being structured that Joe will, will make two thousand dollars a year for the next two hundred and forty-eight thousand years. So, <laughs> All right, it's actually twenty-five, twenty-four players right now in the NFL who have opted out, and uh, there are a number of teams affected: the Ravens, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Vikings. The Washington, the Washington football team. That's actually printed out here. The Washington right. football team, but uh, the the but Patriots are really hard hit. Right, that's and uh, and Deontay Hightower also opting out for the Patriots. That's another All Pro player. That's that's two All Pro players on their defense right there, Kelly. That just say they're not going to play, and they have that right, you know. And, and base some, you know, some baseball players, you know. Um, Kershaw of the, of the L.A. Dodgers, who's certainly one of the premier pitchers in the league. Um, I mean, he, he opted out, which certainly changes the dynamics of that of that Dodgers ball club. So, uh, again, this the, the ruling by Major League Baseball is going to be real interesting. If they, quote-unquote, force teams to play the Marlins, mm-hmm. you know, then, then we'll see how many players will say, well, no, I have, I have an individual right. To mm-hmm. uh, you know, can can they skip that series, or would they have to invoke their complete opt out clause to to opt out for the entire season? Um, right, right. And, uh, and and they still get they still get paid if they opt out, uh, not what they would normally be paid, but paid pretty well. Uh, and I and I guess we're going to see more of that. Here's another interesting thing from the NFL guys that I, I just actually saw a few minutes ago. Patrick Mahomes, of course, signed the mega million dollar lottery contract earlier this year. And uh, he has bought a share of ownership in the Kansas City Royals baseball team. Kelly, are you aware of a, of a situation ever before where a pro football player in a town is now part owner of the baseball Major League Baseball franchise in the same town? No, you can think of John Elway, certainly with the Denver Broncos, but that's the same sport. Uh, Mahomes, by that action today, becomes the youngest owner of any major league sport across the board. 
So uh, that tells you he's got a little extra cash on hand um, to be investing, you know, in the Royals. But like, you, like say Elway, if he were to buy into the Rockies, you know, you could say that. But no, this is a, you know, it's it's not unusual for people of a particular sport to stay involved in their sport, like Elway with the Broncos, like Derek Jeter, you know, with uh, with the Miami Marlins and and some other players like that. You know, Michael Jordan with uh, the Charlotte franchise in, in basketball. Mm-hmm. But very rarely will, will athletes uh, cross that border you know, to go to invest in teams of another sport. But good for him. Mm-hmm. Is there any limit to how much these guys are going to make? I mean, his money's so astronomical. He, and, and I look, I don't blame him. I take the money, too. But, but here's a kid that plays football that probably makes more money than, I don't know, every – Every heart and cancer surgeon in the country, I, I dare say there's not one even remotely making the kind of money he makes. If we just, do, we, do we ever reach a tipping point, Kelly, where we say, you know, it's just become absurd what they're making? Well, I don't, I don't know about the absurdity because the market always drives the price. But this, this COVID-19 pandemic has financially restructured every team at every level in every sport, from amateur sports to professional sports. It's already had its effect on major leagues. You know, a lot of minor league baseball teams have been completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. And once baseball learns to, to live without a complete minor league system, you know, that's going to have a financial you know, impact. Uh, the fact that a lot of college teams, you know, are not going to be able to play their full schedule in the fall if, if they play at all. I mean, the impact is already being felt across the board at the collegiate level. Um, you know, the, the pro level as well with no, no fans, um, you know, in the stands. Um, so it, it's already being affected. This, I can tell you, far and wide, the financial implications of this pandemic uh, is going is to wreak havoc on sports for years to come. And I think we've just begun to see the beginning. I don't think we're near about. Uh, no, because I mean, we, we talked about the very, at the very beginning of this segment. Now, now things change. If the players can opt out, if they're forced to play by the league, and right, and, and right. it's a mess. We'll be back. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg sponsors our fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg in a rainy, rainy, rainy downtown Laurel. Bob, uh, another day uh, the chainsaw will go unused because it looks like it will rain all afternoon. Hmm. Um, you've got the most winningest FBS football programs. And you know, know. Kelly Sander, for somebody that knows the mascot of Iuka High School, he should probably get some of these pretty easy. Right. Now I have the top eight, Kelly. Are you ready? Uh, is it any particular sport? Football. Oh, football. This football is college rowing. football. All-time Synchronized swimming. Winningest schools in college football history being, obviously, Division I Power 5 schools. Let's start, uh, Kelly, with number eight. <laughs> who? 
Let me let me just let me throw a hint out to you that they play in the Big Ten. Who do you think the eighth winningest program in the history of college football would be? Penn State. Boom. Eight hundred and ninety-eight wins. All right, Kelly. Number seven. Oh, I got it right. Yes, you did. Holy cow! Number seven is a team that played in the Big Twelve that recently moved to another oh, conference and has a history with Southern Miss. That's easy. Has a history with it. Luke, you take it then. So I already look, know it. Here, I memorized well, these for the show. Well, what is it? Who is it? The Cornhuskers, Kelly. Nebraska's oh, okay. won 902 games in their illustrious history. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, number six, a powerhouse from the Big 12 that you might have thought would have been higher than number six in the nation, but nevertheless... Number six. Uh, Texas? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. 908 okay. wins. So, eight, seven, and six. Penn State, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Okay. Number The number five winningest program uh, in football history is one everybody loves to hate, Kelly. Dun, 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 dun. The Fighting Irish, although I think that's politically incorrect now to say, but nevertheless, 908 wins, 326 losses. Well, and the thing thing you have to keep in mind with Notre Dame, too, is it's an ancient institution. I mean, it's been around for hundreds of years. Number four is going to take us back to the Big 12, Kelly. Lots Lots of money at this school. Now we're talking Texas. Now we're talking the Longhorns. 900. And 16 wins. Have you guys noticed something? We're 8, 7, 6, 5, and 4, and there's not an SEC team yet. Surprise you? Yeah, it does, actually. All right. Well, the next one is an SEC team. It's the third winningest program in college football history. They've won 916 games and lost 331. Vandy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I mean, it's got to be the A-word, isn't it? That's uh, Mississippi State. No, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It, it is. It is Alabama. Yes, Alabama, okay. third winningest program in history. So that only leaves two, Kelly. And I'm going to let you guess in no particular order what the two winningest college football programs in history are, and they both reside in the same conference. Wow, and it's uh, so it could be the SEC. Could be. Oh, it's wow. Not. Um, it's not. It's not the, top, the SEC. No, top, not. What'd you say? It's not the SEC. Not the SEC. We're not doing highest payrolls. We're doing highest number of wins. So Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to think who, who that would be. Two teams. They play each other. They don't like each other. Florida and Florida State? Kelly. They're not in the SEC. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Well, Florida State's not. but They have a storied rivalry. Bo and Woody. Maybe the most oh, famous Ohio rivalry. Michigan. Ohio Correct. Michigan. Would you okay. like to venture a guess who is number two, Kelly? Michigan. Kelly, you're off your game. I can see you've had COVID-19, Kelly. You're not quite on your game. Uh, so Mich- uh, Michigan's number one? Ohio State is the number two winningest team with 923 wins, 326 losses. The Michigan Wolverines, 962 wins, 346 losses. They have won almost, well, they have won over seven out of ten games since the start of their program. Uh, 962 wins. So your top eight are Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Penn State. 
And to put it in perspective, uh, how long schools like USM have played Division One compared to, say, a Michigan, Southern Miss is respectable record, 364 wins, 287 losses, three times as many wins uh, by Michigan and Ohio State. And, well, really all of those schools, basically, that's just how long they've been playing. Yeah, they've all, they've all been playing probably since 1900. Right, right. Yeah. So Michigan started in, I think, it was, what is it? It is 1879 was their first football Ain't season. Ain't that crazy? Hmm. I remember yeah. that game, Kelly. It was snowy and cold foggy. that day, yes. It's, yeah, the memories yeah. are a little funny going back that far. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Remember, it's not gold, it's maize. Yes, that's the right. Maize that's right. Maize. All right, that wraps it up for today. Glad we could share that bit of trivia for you. It's rare when you can stump Kelly Sander in trivia. So I feel pretty good about this today, Kelly. Uh, well, that, that was some good stuff, Bob. I enjoyed it. I look forward to hearing Jonathan Gross tomorrow on the program from IMG Learfield. There we go. And until then, everybody, Southern Miss. To the, to the top. top. In the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.